0: Bridgebank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. Bridgebank, a division of Western Alliance Bank, Bridgebank. Be Bold, venture wisely.
1: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's hey podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mindshift, Right Nowish and more all tell the stories of the bay and beyond
2: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in Los Angeles, where District Attorney Jackie Lacey faces a tight race for re-election in November. Well, that race just got more complicated for Lacey now that California Attorney General Javier Becerra is filing criminal charges against Lacey's husband. Here now with more is the California Report. Saul Gonzalez. Hey, Saul.
0: Hey, Lily. The charges stem from an episode in March when Jackie Lacey's husband, David Lacey, pulled a gun on Black Lives Matter demonstrators who had gathered at the front door of the couple's home. In a video of the incident taken by one of the protesters, Lacey could be seen pointing the weapon at protesters and saying this
3: Good morning. Get off of my porch. I will shoot you. Get off of my porch. Can you tell Jackie
1: Lacey that we're here? I don't care who you are.
0: The Attorney General's office has charged Lacey with three misdemeanor counts of assault with a firearm. An arraignment is scheduled for later this month. Many police reform activists have long opposed L.A. District Attorney Jackie Lacey. They say she hasn't done enough to investigate and prosecute cops involved in excessive use of force and shooting incidents. The charges against Lacey's husband come as she faces a tough re-election campaign. Lacey's opponent is George Gascon, the former DA of San Francisco. Gascon is campaigning as a progressive criminal justice reformer. Lily...
2: Thank you, Saul. Staying in Southern California, in the Inland Empire, firefighters are starting to get a handle on the Apple Fire, the state's largest blaze so far this year. It's now 30 percent contained. State fire officials say the fire has burned more than 27,000 acres since hot soot from a malfunctioning vehicle sparked it on Friday. Twelve buildings have been destroyed and some evacuations remain in place. Doctors say the antiviral drug remdesivir is one of the few treatments that benefits patients hospitalized with COVID-19. But the drug, made by Foster City's Gilead Sciences, can cost more than $3,000 and is in limited supply. That prompted California Attorney General Javier Becerra to send a letter yesterday to federal health officials, urging them to allow other companies to manufacture and distribute the drug. KQED's Peter Arcuni has more.
1: Gilead says it plans to make 2 million courses of remdesivir treatment by the end of 2020. Becerra's letter, signed by 34 state attorneys general, calls that amount dangerously low to handle current or future coronavirus outbreaks. Becerra says now is the time to produce more of the drug.
3: If Gilead is not prepared to do it, we have the right to say we're going to try to do whatever we can, go wherever we must to ramp up the supply.
1: Because the development of remdesivir was supported in part by federal tax dollars, including a $30 million government-funded clinical trial, Becerra says there's legal ground for Washington to intervene.
3: It's not as if there's a secret sauce here. Folks know how to make this drug, and the taxpayers help make that drug possible. Let's get it out there to folks.
1: Under the Bayh-Dole Act, the letter says, the federal government could make Gilead license its remdesivir patent to third-party manufacturers. A spokesperson for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said in an email that because remdesivir wasn't as a whole funded by the federal government, it doesn't believe the Bayh-Dole Act applies. Gilead said in the statement it was, quote, deeply disappointed by the letter and that it misrepresented the need for remdesivir given many people with COVID-19 will recover without it.
2: That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your eBooks, or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! A few days back, I spent a morning in San Francisco's Mission District, where community activists with the Latino Task Force have set up a pop-up COVID-19 testing site on the street.
3: Hola. Are you you guys together? Okay, perfecto. Gracias. Okay, thank you. Everybody can just take a yellow line.
2: One of the organizers is John Jacobo. He greets dozens of people already in line for hours by the time testing starts at 10 a.m. At one point, a woman approaches Jacobo with a question. She wants to know what kind of personal information she has to share to get a test. Just her name and her number, Jacobo tells her. Early in the pandemic, we thought the coronavirus was the great equalizer. All of us were vulnerable. But we now know your odds depend a lot on things like where you live and how much money you make. Jacobo told me that kind of data has helped them bring testing to their neighborhood, which is among the hardest hit in the city. The acronym DPH, by the way, stands for the Department of Public Health.
3: It eliminates the invisible cloak that exists over the reality or the pain that is happening. A good example of that is we partnered with UCSF to do a study back in April. And I just understood that like data and numbers is power. They're undeniable. They're undisputable. And when we did this study, it's just clear to me that if we can prove what we know to be true anecdotally in numbers, on paper, the structures will not be able to hide from it anymore.
2: What is it that you know anecdotally? So
3: at the time before testing, we were also pushing for demographics to be released because we were hearing that 70 to 80 percent. Of the people that were sick in general hospital it's the local hospital here in the city were Latino, and that a majority of them were from the mission district. Mm-hmm. So we knew that. And a lot of us knew people that were getting sick that had the same telltale signs of like losing a sense of smell, losing a sense of taste. And we know it's happening, but we can't prove it, because we don't have numbers. When we did the study, for now, I can tell you, that of that study, 95 percent of the people that tested positive were Latino. There was not a single Caucasian person that tested positive. Not
2: one Caucasian
3: person. one Caucasian person tested positive. This has been true the last two weeks of our testing here as well. For that particular study, I can also tell you that 90% of the respondents had to go to work because they didn't have the privilege to shelter in place. I can tell you that 88% of them make under $55,000 a year. Those numbers tell me and arm us with the ability to say it is low-income Latinos who are being disproportionately hurt by this virus. And we need the resources to help stem that. And out of that study, you see what you have in front of you today. Because we had that info, DPH had no choice but to partner with us. I'm sure eventually they would have wanted to, but it puts the pressure on those in power to move towards where the relevant information is that doesn't look good. Like the sad truth is that that is that is how a lot of this works. And it's so unfortunate. Um,
2: it almost sounds like you're saying that you use the term armed with that information. Like you were not getting the resources you needed until you could prove that this is real. That what is it? Latinos are 15 percent of the population in the city, but they're half of all the positive COVID tests. Yeah. That kind of information was your calling card to get the resources to do the testing. That's, right.
3: That's exactly right. It's. We are, we are 15% of the city and 50% of the caseloads in San Francisco. And, and the sad truth is that it's not just San Francisco. It's the state of California and it's other parts throughout the country. I'm not trying to beat up on DPH and all the DPHs out there, but let's be honest. The CDC is not giving very clear guidance. And there's, I guarantee you, 58 different solutions in the state of California, because we have 58 different counties, that are taking different approaches. That is confusing for anyone. And so for our local DPH, I'm sure that the confusion is equal. But until we did that study, we were not getting the level of attention that we are getting now.
2: That was John Jacobo of the Latino Task Force. And that is the California Report for this Wednesday, August 5th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Support for the California Report comes from the California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare to survive and recover from the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. The California Health Care Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic. On the web at chcf.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus... You'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org
0: podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.